0: of approximately 1 million US children and adolescents roughly 1% of the population are prescribed second generation antipsychotics these medications routinely lead to weight gain in kids and teens the worst offenders are olanzapine quetiapine and risperidone lurasidone and ziprasidone are of less concern and then of course there's everybody in between including aripiprazole in this episode we'll discuss the efficacy and safety of using off-label medications, such as metformin, to manage metabolic side effects of second-generation antipsychotics. Welcome to the Carlat Psychiatry Podcast. This is another episode from the Child Psychiatry Team. I'm Dr. Josh Fader, the Editor-in-Chief of the CARLAT Child Psychiatry Report and co-author of the Child Medication Factbook for Psychiatric Practice and the brand new Prescribing Psychotropics.
1: And I'm Mara Goverman, a licensed clinical social worker in Southern California with a private practice.
0: We have some exciting news for you. You can now receive CME credit for listening to this episode and all new episodes going forward on this feed. Follow the podcast CME subscription link in the show notes to get access to the CME post-test for this episode and future episodes.
1: Let's begin by talking about metformin, a medication approved for type 2 diabetes and the best studied treatment for metabolic side effects of second generation antipsychotics. It functions by increasing insulin sensitivity in the liver, muscle, and decreasing both hepatic Glucose production and intestinal glucose absorption. The impact study, which measured the effects of metformin in children and adolescents on second generation antipsychotics, showed that while metformin stopped ongoing weight gain, it led to minimal weight loss and metabolic improvement over the course of the study. After 24 weeks, metformin patients lost 0.4 pounds while control patients gained 8.5 pounds. These results sound encouraging, but what are the associated side effects of metformin?
0: You know, the most common side effect of metformin in the IMPACT study was mild to moderate gastrointestinal distress, and that includes like decreased appetite, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and then compresis. And by the way, a lot of people get a lot of gas these symptoms occurred early, were mostly transient, and were usually manageable by slowing the titration or using a lower dose of metformin. Interestingly, metformin was associated with fewer problems with aggression, hostility, anger, irritability, and impulsiveness. The authors of the study postulated that this could be due to feeling less hangry, right, or having better glucose homeostasis. Some of the rare potential side effects which were not observed in this study, include low serum vitamin B12 level and metabolic acidosis. The only absolute contraindications to the use of metformin are chronic kidney disease and low filtration rate, GFR. So, Mara, talk to us about when the best time is to start metformin.
1: Well, even though metformin can prevent future weight gain, it is unlikely to decrease existing weight. This means that if a child is already overweight for their height, or if you are starting on an antipsychotic with a high risk of weight gain, it is important to start metformin alongside the antipsychotic. If families resist starting two medications at once, check your patient's height and weight and start metformin if their weight begins to rise at a greater rate than expected based on their growth.
0: Before starting metformin, make sure to check the patient's kidney function. Metformin is contraindicated if the glomerular filtration rate, or we usually talk about estimated GFR, eGFR, is less than 30. That's the number you get back from the lab for GFR. And if it's less than 30, you may have an increased risk of lactic acidosis. So it's safest to have a GFR above 60. Serum creatinine and serum B12 levels should still be checked annually, even if the kidney function is normal, meaning EGFR above 60, but more frequently if it's between 45 to 60. If it's less than 45, stop the metformin. When beginning metformin, make sure to titrate slowly to minimize gastrointestinal side effects. We recommend the following schedule, the one used in the IMPACT trial. Here's the recommended dosage for youth based on weight. So for youth less than 50 kilograms, begin prescribing 250 milligrams at dinner for one week increase the dosage to 250 milligrams at breakfast and dinner for another week, and then finally increase the dosage by 250 milligrams per week to a maximum of 500 milligrams twice daily. For kids 50 to 70 kilograms, you can begin prescribing 250 milligrams at dinner for a week, increase to 250 at breakfast and dinner for another week, and eventually increase the dosage by 250 milligrams per week to a maximum of 1,000 milligrams twice daily. But for kids and teens above 70 kilograms, you can start with 500 milligrams at dinner for one week, increase to 500 at breakfast and dinner the next week, and then finally increase by 500 milligrams per week to a final dose of that same 1,000 milligrams twice a day.
1: Topiramate is another medication that similar to metformin prevents weight gain better than it reduces weight in a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials of adjunctive topiramate for schizophrenia 22 out of 26 trials showed topiramate led to a significantly lower body weight of 2.75 kilograms. an 11-week open trial in adolescents with medication-induced weight gain Titrated to to 150 milligrams a day, given a mean weight loss of 2.62 kilograms. In another meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials of topiramate in the treatment of obesity in adults, they found that at doses of 96 to 200 milligrams a day, trials of less than 28 weeks led to a weight loss of 4.11 kilograms. And trials longer than 28 weeks led to a weight loss of 6.58 kilograms. Side effects of topiramate include oligohydrosis, which is decreased sweating, and hyperthermia during exercise, metabolic acidosis, word-finding problems, and cognitive impairment. Cognitive impairment may be avoided with a slow titration by 25 milligrams a week. Other side effects include a two to four fold increased risk of kidney stones, paresthesias, acute myopia with angle closure glaucoma, and visual field defects. So, what is the best way to prescribe topyramate?
0: Start topyramate at twenty five milligrams per day, increasing by twenty five milligrams every week as tolerated to a maximum dose of 150 to 200 milligrams per day. Higher doses are not more efficacious based on the minimal data that we have available.
1: Is the combination of metformin and topiramate safe or effective?
0: Well, according to a recent case report of an 8-year-old with antipsychotic-associated weight gain, the combination of metformin and topiramate was shown to be safe and effective. Zhang and colleagues did this. They also suggested considering combining metformin and topiramate when monotherapy is insufficient. But since both metformin and topiramate can cause metabolic acidosis, make sure to check labs every few weeks until you reach steady dosages. Then recheck after dosage adjustments or significant weight loss as significant weight loss also increases the relative dosage.
1: Now, you may be tempted to use stimulants to prevent antipsychotic-associated weight gain, but in fact, studies have shown lack of efficacy.
0: And then there's Lybaldi.
1: This combination of olanzapine and Samodorphin, which is an opioid antagonist, was recently approved to treat adults with bipolar and schizophrenia and is purported to cause less weight gain. However, It has not been studied in children. Another medication researched for use in antipsychotic weight gain is glucagon-like peptide, also known as GLP-1 agonists. GLP-1 agonists are almost all weekly injectable medications, with the exception of semaglutide ribelsis, which is used orally for adults with diabetes. They are FDA-approved for use in type 2 diabetes and weight management. GLP-1 agonists increase appetite, delay gastric emptying, which promotes satiety, and increase visceral and intraorgan lipolysis. For children and teens, gliraglutide, Victoza Saxenda is approved for ages 10 and up for type 2 diabetes and ages 12 and up for weight management. However, it is expensive. Saxenda costs $1,628 a month retail, $1,315 a month with good RX. Typical prior authorization criteria includes a BMI over 30 without comorbid conditions or a BMI above 27 with comorbid conditions. And failure to lose 5% of body weight after three months in a
0: weight loss program. GLP-1 agonists are contraindicated in patients with a history of pancreatitis, medullary thyroid cancer, including a family history, and multiple endocrine neoplasia type 2. They should be used with caution in patients with renal insufficiency, and they can increase the risk of gallbladder disease. Despite the allure of GLP-1 agonists, and although case studies report good effects in young teens with Prader-Willi syndrome, we do not yet have much data on the use in antipsychotic-associated weight gain. And boy, is it expensive and hard to get. Mm. I've tried. It's really hard.
1: Overall, when you need to use second-generation antipsychotics, consider starting with meds less likely to cause weight gain, such as lorazidone or ziprasidone. If you are using a different second-generation antipsychotic, think about starting metformin simultaneously especially for patients with BMI greater than 25. For patients with BMI above 30, consider starting a GLP-1 agonist with a second-generation antipsychotic.
0: The newsletter clinical update is available for subscribers to read in the CARLAT Child Psychiatry Report. Hopefully people will check it out. Subscribers get print issues in the mail and email notifications when new issues are available on the website. Subscriptions also come with full access to all the articles on the website and CME credits.
1: And everything from Carlet Publishing is independently researched and produced. There's no funding from the pharmaceutical industry.
0: Yes, the newsletters and books we produce depend entirely on reader support. There are no ads and our authors don't receive industry funding. That helps us to bring you unbiased information that you can trust.
1: And don't forget, you can now earn CME credits for listening to our podcast. Just click the link in the description to access the CME post-test for this episode. As always, thanks for listening and have a great day.